0: Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, podcasting. podcasting from Sydney, Australia. This is the Prime Podcast.
1: independent, unfiltered, and uncensored, beginning in 3, 2, 1.
0: Senator Rennick, how are you?
1: Yeah, good thanks, Chris. How are you?
0: Cool, mate. It's good to, to finally do this. I think we've been talking for a while now, probably to I think back end of last year, and um, yeah. finally got it done. Yeah. yeah. What's been happening?
1: Oh, well, mate, it's just, you know, it's just all about the mandates, really, and the vaccines. Unfortunately, it's, uh, that's what's happening. And unfortunately, there's not a lot happening in the way of moving on and moving, moving out of the so called pandemic and the paranoia that's going on around it, I'd hope that once we hit the 80% vaccination targets, as the Premier said last year, you know, everything was going to open up. Once we hit those targets, I'd hope that, you know, we'd move on, but we haven't moved on at all. We've just rolled on to more booster shots, childhood vaccinations, and, you know, paranoia around not having enough rapid engine testing, Mm. uh, which, you know, I, I would have thought, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if you've got the flu, you're feeling pretty crook. So, whether or not you need a test or not, I don't see what the point of that is. I mean, um, a lot of people get it. They have milder symptoms. Some people get sicker than others. Um, but effectively, you know, the issue needs to be is that we need to get, you know, our civil liberties back and, you know, just normalize the world we live in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's been, you know, what it's, it, we all watched it, we've all heard it. 80% double dose and this will open up and this will happen and our lives will go back to normal. And we've all heard it, but it seems like a large portion of the population, at least significant enough to allow this to continue, have got extremely short term memories where they don't recall what was happened, what happened six months ago, what was said six months ago, they're still rolling on with the narrative. And it's, it's almost a point where like you told us, you know, six months ago that, if you get this vaccine, you can't catch COVID. You, they said that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now, yeah, now we can, is. right? Yeah. So things yeah. have changed. And I think there's got to be a line drawn where, you know what, the Australian people have done their, well and truly done their part. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't, I mean, they've wasted, let's be honest, they've wasted the last two and a half years of our life, or just over two years of our life with this. And lockdowns? Um, I said from the beginning, lockdowns are going to do nothing but prolong the issue. Now, you, you did talking about a, an airborne virus that's extremely contagious. It's Lockdowns won't work. They'll be effective for a period of time, but all it takes is just one person to have it, just one, and it's going mm. to spread again. So we've wasted a lot of our time over the past few years stuck in lockdown. Um, children have missed out on school. I've got a daughter who's starting uh, year two this year. I mean, she's barely been at school since she started.
1: Yes. Um, yes.
0: So. I understand and I can see the difference in my daughter compared to my son who sort of went through primary school. He's starting high school this year um, without too much of an issue. And the levels they were at at the same age is a, there's a huge difference in terms of where they are. And that's a direct result of of, of the government shutting down schools and parents not sending their, even when schools were open, there were still parents that weren't sending their kids to school out of fear of them catching it. So yeah, yeah, we've 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 done our part. All of us have done our part, and myself included. When this thing first happened, and we first heard about, I mean, the first exposure I had anyway to this thing was people dropping dead in Wuhan, right? that video that we all saw.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I think at the time, everyone was thinking, "Well, how bad's this thing? You know, I don't, I don't want to catch this, whatever it is. People are just dropping dead, and that was justified because we didn't know anything at that time." Yeah, But as the, inf- and you're happy to lock down, you're happy to keep your distance and do all these things. Um, but as time's gone on, we've seen, okay, well, this is now, the data's come out um, and it's nowhere near as bad. And even now it's nowhere near as bad as they're making it out to be yet. QR codes remain. Yeah. You know, th- these things are, it's like, well, you, they've said that you have to be with with a person or in the area, proximity of a positive case for four hours.
1: Yeah, yeah. Contacts more than four hours. Uh, hours yeah, or household contacts. Yeah.
0: Now I don't know about you, but I certainly don't go into Coles or Woolies for four hours. So what's the point of of, of even scanning
1: in? So well, 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 and and so this is comes back to yeah the whole normalising this behaviour, which is what we don't want to happen. And you know, it's it's the the issue, you know no one's denying that there's a virus out there that can't necessarily make people sick that's not the issue it's the reaction to the virus um and and the, the overreach around it um, that we never had to do before so for example as i just mentioned with that rat testing uh you know in the past if you got sick you knew you got sick you stayed at home right why do we need rat testing likewise with the qr codes why do we need it why do we still need it and that's that's a good example, I think, of whereby a lot of these rules and regulations uh, have been implemented for the sake of it rather than actually achieving anything. Because if they don't get rid of QR codes, isn't that effectively saying that, you know, you, you're keeping the rules and regulations there because you want to maintain control of us rather than care about our health?
0: Mm, that's exactly what it is. And I think,
1: yeah.
0: I think it's become more evident. You know, um, early on, I, I, was, I was starting to get very... Suspicious. And I think it was more so when the lockdowns keep extending It kept extending. I'm thinking, well, you know, our lives are just the, the drastic change in how we were living um, up to that point. And I was thinking, well, this can't go on forever. I mean, it's a virus. Yes, it may be deadly to a certain, um, you know, elderly invo- and the vulnerable in particular. Yeah. But
1: as what- are all viruses, though, that's, that's the important thing. It's not as though this mm. virus is new in the sense that other viruses and respiratory diseases aren't a threat either.
0: Yeah, I mean, the flu, the flu is the same thing. In fact, I would argue that the flu is more dangerous in the sense where children die from the flu. A lot more children have died from the flu than they have from, from COVID. Yeah. Um, so, but again, you don't see any of this. You don't, not even uh, social distancing, that's not even encouraged when there's a bad flu outbreak. There's nothing, you know what, if you're sick, stay at home, otherwise live your life as normal. So that started raising some questions and it's become now where it's blatantly obvious well, to me anyway, that these measures that are in place at this point, it's about controlling the people, not about controlling a virus because they've tried this for two years and it hasn't worked. So it's about controlling the people. And you know what? Uh, there's yourself. There's a few of you that are, that are speaking up in parliament um, and mate Liz, on behalf of all of us, thank you very much because I think people need to understand that it doesn't matter whether you agree with the vaccines, whether you're supportive, whether you've had your three doses or you haven't, that's not the issue. The issue is our freedom and our liberties are gone. And historically, governments don't give those back.
1: That's exactly right, yeah. And that's the thing now, we've set a precedent whereby every time, have we set the precedent, and I think the answer is looking like it's a yes, that every time there's a new virus or a new variant, we're, we're, we're going to have all this paranoia around the virus. And, and by all means, you know, yes, protect the elderly and, and the sick, the vulnerable, mm. but you know, for the majority of the work, you know, working-age population and the health, healthy uh, population you know, they, they need to be able to get on with their lives um, or otherwise, you know, it, it's, it's not good for the overall economy and society and, and, and health aspects, mental health aspects, you know, our children, our know, confidence um, and, and they're, you know, getting on with life.
0: Yeah, and the, the vac- vaccinating, we'll speak about that for a moment, not just the vaccine, but in general, the, the measures like they want me to uh, test my children twice a week on the return to school. Now, I can tell you now, there is absolutely no way in the world I'm testing my children twice a week. It's not going to happen. Um, yeah. And there's many of these things that in place. Like I've done my best as a parent to, I guess, reassure the children that, listen, it's not normal. Wearing a mask is not normal. Don't wear it. Don't have to anyway, but don't, worry. don't think you have to wear a mask because you don't, it's not normal. Testing yourself <clears> is not normal. Um, I'm trying my best to make sure that they don't grow up thinking that, that this behavior and this thing is normal because it's not normal. So we're going to have a generation of children, essentially, which is, you know, 10, 15 years from now where they're immediately going to fall into line because in their mind, this is completely
1: normal. That's um, exactly right. Yep.
0: Yep. Yeah. So I do my part, I think, as a father, just to make sure they realise that it's not normal. Um, you mm. do not need to test yourself twice a week. And, and to think that they're, they're, they're forcing that on, on kindergarten, like we're forcing on five-year-old children. Now, anyone that's had children knows that try to get that thing in a child it's not going to happen
1: yeah
0: um let alone when they're starting school that's that's enough for them that's a lot of stress and and you know Mm -hmm. they're nervous and anxious about it and the last thing they need is to be subjected to that in their nose twice a week but i mean this is what's happening and and when you break it down and you say well listen this virus really doesn't impact children i'll say yeah well they still get sick well they get sick from many other things as well that's right right um, and that yeah well you know it's just to protect the more vulnerable to protect the adults well when have we ever as a species relied on the children to protect the adults never
1: yeah no, that's
0: right yeah and the and the, the fact that people are so willing to do that um, is very concerning I see arguments on Twitter I'm sure you've seen the same people there seems to be a very vocal minority that just about, behind everything 110 percent I'm like you're ruining that. You're, you're ruling this country. You're part of the problem. I don't care yeah. whether if you want to get vaccinated, fine. If you want to test yourself three times a day uh, like a hypochondriac, fine. That's your your business. But don't force that on other people. Don't tell me what I should do. What I should do for my children, right? And yeah, it's because you're, great. You're, yeah. that's right. You're creating a problem that doesn't need to exist. Yeah. But because there's an extremely small minority of people that are extremely vocal. It fuels, especially people like Dan Andrews, who seems to to, you know, these people just fuel his ego and, and fuel his response. And um, man, it's it's a shit fight. Let's be very honest; it's a shit fight at the moment.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's and unfortunately, there's been an eighteen month head start there by the premiers, where they uh, effectively have managed to get a lot of the population scared. I mean, I know people now who've had COVID. Uh, who were very anxious before having COVID, and now they have just, you know, their whole reaction attitude has changed mm. after having COVID to going, oh, you know, and and I know one person in particular is going, oh, and they these people, you know, she's sort of now criticizing other people being anxious, but you know, there's been a, a level of anxiety that's been fueled by these daily press conferences for the last eighteen months by the premiers. They get up there, at, you know, one at nine o'clock, one at ten o'clock, one at eleven o'clock, giving case numbers, etc., you know, and just carrying on. And so there's this you know, uh, 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 but basically everyone's at risk. And I mean, to an extent we are, no one's denying that there isn't a virus and that people can't get sick from it, but it's always been a virus. There's always been respiratory airborne diseases out there that you can get sick from and, you know, people, older people are more vulnerable. They always have been. Um, but if we look at the figures and the average age of death, you know, depending on what you read, it's somewhere between 80 and 84, which is pretty much around life expectancy. Um, you know, they, they, they've they overplayed their hand on this and, and I just, yeah, it's, at the expense of, you know, other other health conditions and the, the, the general well-being of the population.
0: Yeah, and the economy. I mean, my grandchildren will be paying this back.
1: Yeah. As an yeah.
0: extraordinary amount of debt. And, you know, back to that that where you mentioned that the premiers get up and they do their press conferences, um, that, that they do, do you think they know what they're doing? Like, do you believe that there's more to it than just wanting to inform the public? Do you think there's a they know what they're creating by doing that?
1: Oh, look, it's hard to impute their motive. Um,
0: uh, They'd have to be conscious of it at least. They'd have to be aware that's what's happening as a result of that.
1: Oh, oh, look, look, I mean, they should put it this way that they, they should be aware of it and they should be aware that it's not a healthy thing that they're doing, right? So, so if, if, if this, uh, this mantra up here, you know, Palaszczuk, as well, I say, we're keeping you safe. Well, you know, it's not what, just about COVID or all the other ailments that are going by because, you know, we've got record crime up here in Queensland, you know, record crime, uh, you know, violence, um, you know, our, our, and, and as in most other states, you know, the hospital systems are struggling anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're so worried about keeping us safe, why do you let, you know, the hospitals uh, fall into disrepair over the last 30 years anyway? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's plenty of examples of where they're lying about that, but they, they should be aware of it. Um, and it's hard to believe that they're not aware of it after two years of this psychosis.
0: Yeah. It's the messaging is so, you know, I guess I'll look at it differently to an average person, you know, for, for the average 60 or 70 year old who, you know, solely gets their information from the mainstream media. I understand why they're so anxious. I did it. Yeah. I 100% understand. Yeah. You can't blame those people for that because, you know, that's all they're hearing. And yeah. You know, the the words and the way they word things, like the virus is hunting down the unvaccinated. Um, Yeah. But they sort of, it's not doing anyone a favour. Like the people that are unvaccinated at this point in time, besides the very select few who couldn't have it due to medical reasons, Mm -hmm. don't want it. I'm an example. I don't want it. At this point, I don't care what you do or say. It's not going to change my mind. And in fact, it's the opposite because as time gone on, I realised that I was justified in that in that there's really no need to worry about it. Um, so you're not going to convince people at this point who have decided not to get this thing. You're not going to convince them now um, mm. that to go and get it. But what's, I guess, confusing to a lot of people, myself included, is how we have the Prime Minister stating that we do not have mandatory vaccination policies in Australia. Saying the things that he I'm sure we've all seen the um, United Australia Party's commercials But he said that. That's fact. That's what he has said many times. How is it that he, the prime minister of the country can make those claims, but yet know that the premiers are forcing it on people. Now, yes, they haven't got a gun to your head and saying, listen, you have to get this thing now, but they're saying you don't have to get it. But if you don't get it, you can't work. You can't put food on the table for your family. You can't go shopping. You can't go to the cinemas. You'll have no life whatsoever. So, why hasn't he at some point stepped up and put an end to it?
1: Well, that's that's the question I've asked him, and that's why I withheld my vote from, from the government last year, and why I'm still withholding my vote because I, I think that you know we we do have the powers to stop these mandates. Um, I don't want to go into too much law, but constitutionally. Uh, you know, 1946. There was a referendum that gave the federal government uh, responsibility uh, under Section 51. That says, you know, this is the federal government has the powers uh, to do such and such, uh, and in respect to good governments, good governance, and that was in regards to pharmaceutical benefits, medical benefits, you know, sickness, and a few other things. That was actually voted up in a referendum in 1946. So the Australian people voted, you know, a long time ago that they actually wanted the federal government to be responsible for this for some of these things, right? And that included vaccines. And we already buy the vaccines. We indemnify the vaccines via the TGA. We've indemn- uh, sorry, we regulate the vaccines by the TGA. We indemnify the vaccines by this uh, indemnity scheme. So how is it that we're responsible for all that but now we're now re- not responsible for the mandates? I mean, mm. you know, it's it's the same thing, right? It's around the vaccine rollout. So why aren't we? I think we are personally my own number one. Number two, we've got the immunisation handbook that says you cannot be coerced into taking the vaccine and you should also should know all the risks and, you know, the downsides of taking the vaccine. Well, A, the vaccine's provisionally approved only, so we don't know all the risks yet, mm-hmm. um, and people are being coerced in taking it. So not only is there a, contractual, uh, a constitutional issue here where I think we should have the powers under the constitution, there's a contractual basis as well where we have made it a, a, a uh, oral or verbal contract via the immunisation handbook that says, you know, we can't force you into taking this. So then there's the third aspect that we, you know, we regulate employment law in this country. It used to be done at state level, but that was consolidated up under the Corporations Act um, and is now regulated through the, well, there's different laws, but, you know, the Corporations Act. So certainly in regards to corporations and um, Fair Work Australia, they're all federally um, run and uh, regulated. Um, we, we could easily, in terms of the private sector, put a put a thing out in the Fair Work Act that says no employer is responsible for the transmission of an airborne virus because employers are now trying to say that, you know, it's not workplace uh, health and safety issue. And, look, sure, in hospitals and aged care centres, that may be the case. But, you know, in the general day-to-day population, how is a small business going to know if a customer or, you know, if an employee got sick where they got sick or if a customer is, is you know, um, where they're going to get sick. I mean, they can't control the no. transmission of airborne virus. It is so silly to make them feel as though they're responsible for this. You know, it, it's not like, obviously, if you're in a mining uh, company, you've got to make sure that people wear hard hats and, you know, private mm. shirts and know how to drive, you know, not drive their trucks or whatever, right? But, you know, I mean, there's, I mean, I'm hearing now that even fruit pickers can't get a job unless they're vaccinated and they're, they're working outside. I mean, these laws are ridiculous. So, I can't answer the question of why the PM won't step, step up and override the premiers. I wish he would. That is one of my sort of um, holdout points. Um, uh, and, you know, it comes back to where is does, where does all of this end? This is the scary bit, you know, like we've just rolled on from the so-called, we went past the exit, target, the targets for the exit plan of getting out of this and there's been no conversation about why, why aren't we out of it. It's just more boosters, boosters and boosters. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well,
0: you know what, it's, what's, what's, I guess, confusing, and and which leads me to believe that there's definitely more to it, is the fact that Pfizer themselves are working on a new vaccine specifically for the new variant, right? We know that. Yeah. It's gone through trials at the moment, and they said about, what March, I think, March or April should be ready. Now, that's them indirectly admitting or conceding that, listen, our vaccines aren't working. The current ones mm. aren't working against this variant. Yes. So how can someone like Dan Andrews, because he's pushing for, um, you know, the booster shot to be recognised as just the third dose in a in the, mm. yeah, right? So an addi- not an additional, but just a part of the first two, right? How can he possibly think, how can they think that way when Pfizer themselves are saying, listen, it's not working. We're making a new one to solve that problem. But yet they're still insisting that people get booster shots.
1: I, that defies logic. It does. I, I can't explain it. It's it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating. And it's like this this vaccine at the moment was originally cr- created for the Alpha variant. It was two years ago. Mm. And we've gone, you know, a heap of others, but mainly Delta and now Omnicron. Uh, and, you know, it comes back to, so this vaccine that's, you know, being mandated is A, out of date for a variant that's already sort of come and gone uh, and has, you know, very short-term lasting properties if at all didn't stop transmission mm-hmm. um it just beggars belief that they're mandating that something that's practically redundant and you know didn't really stop transmission in the first place
0: yeah and, and especially the fact that the pfizer have conceded that that listen it's not working yeah immediately yeah. as soon as they well in my opinion as soon as they had maybe not just one but you know considerable amount of of um transmissions from people that were vaccinated. Once they realise that, hold on, this isn't stopping someone getting it or passing it on, the mandate should have been lifted immediately.
1: Yeah, immediately. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't agree I mean, with mandates. But, period. I mean, they've got if they didn't have a leg to stand on originally, they've got no leg to stand on now with the fact that transmission rates are so high amongst the vaccinated.
0: Yeah, I think I've read. Uh, I think actually. When they
1: said, yeah, and, and especially when they said that it was going to stop transmission. In the first place, if they came out and said we we expected to be eighty percent effective or something, they might have had a leg to stand on. But they went out and said, "No, it's going to absolutely work." Well, it hasn't absolutely worked, and it would appear, judging by the rapid rate of transmission here, you know, just in January across eastern board you know, eastern states of Australia, that you know it just just doesn't work like they said it would. So, Why, why should we trust these people when they've got it wrong so many times?
0: Yeah, and I think there had to be a little bit of oh, look. I don't know. Obviously, they they're aware. I said they're not stupid people. They're aware that it's not working. No matter how they try and justify it, it's not working. Yeah, they're trying to use the fact that because I shared a video uh yesterday because on the 15th of January, Channel 7 had a segment on the news, channel 7 news, Michael Usher, the yeah. the the, uh, yeah. the yeah, he was saying that um you know people are having to wait for elective surgeries because the beds are filled with mostly unvaccinated. He made that point, unvaccinated. <clears throat> Now, based on the New South Wales government, they've got a COVID uh, intelligence unit, right, which, which breaks down a lot of the statistics within New South Wales hospitals. And it clearly shows over 70% of patients that are hospitalized have, are at least double vaccinated and under yep. 30% are unvaccinated. But at the exact same time, Channel 7 are saying, well, listen, no, no, no. They're, it's filled with mostly of the unvaccinated. Now, we all know why they're doing that. They're doing it to create division and to incite, <clears throat> you know, hatred against people. And that's a problem in itself. But the media aren't calling out the government for their fuck-ups or their lies. Let's just say the lies, because they're blatantly lying <clears throat> at this point. So how do we hold the media
1: accountable? Turn it off only way to do it. And people are turning it off. I mean, you know, and this is part of the reason why I think they're being, you know, more and more uh, alarmist is to try and, you know, because fear sells, right? Mm. So they're, you know, trying to sell as much fear as possible so people watch as much TV. But they're losing they're losing market share in a big way, the mainstream media. I mean, I, I rarely watch TV. um Well, I, I just don't watch it at all. I mean, mm. and I, I guess that's a combination of the job I'm in. Obviously, it's a 24 hour job. But you know, it, it's uh, – I just don't trust them anyway. I mean, even if, um, you know, I wasn't in politics, I just wouldn't be able to believe what they're saying. Um, and it's just so one-sided and all honest. It's just, you know, yeah.
0: But it's always been that way. And that, that's what's amazing to me is that we know, like, if you were to ask people three years ago before the pandemic, uh, you know, what's a few groups of people that you can't trust? The first thing I say will be the government, politicians yeah. – no offence yeah. to yourself, that's what people yeah, say, No, No, right? no, no, I'm the same. Yeah, I,
1: right? yeah. And then no
0: the, the, the second group would be the media. Yeah. But like, people know that, that, that these groups of people lie. Yeah. And the fact is, is that all of a sudden you've got people that were like, they know they lie, but yet they hold on to every word that they say and they treat it like it's gospel. And... For me, I, I can't work that out. I think it's a combination yeah, of
1: three. Look, I mean, you know, I'm sure some people take it as gospel. I think a lot of people just do it because, you know, they've got jobs, they can't be bothered. You know, it's a lot of energy to go against the flow, push the counter-narratives. Um, you know, they, I, I don't know that everyone who signed up necessarily believes it. They just, you know, it, it, it would have been interesting to see if the mandates hadn't come in, what rates of vaccinations they would have got to. I was of the view that they might have got to 60 or 70%, um, you know, 70% high, you know, tops and then maybe, you know, 60%. But uh, um, I'm not convinced that the majority of people actually believe the media, black and white, but they just, you know, they've got their lives to lead and they can't, you know, it's a lot of energy in pushing, yeah, pushing a counter narrative. It, it is hard work. I mean, I've been doing it, you know, for the last four months and it's not fun. Um, and I'm in the lucky position where I've got my job for another three and a half years, regardless of what I say. I mean, I'll get a lot of abuse in the meantime, but, um, uh, but for a lot of people, you know, they need to be paid every day of the week. Um, and they know that if they, you know, get it wrong. They lose their job. So, that's, you know, and, and that's where it comes back, this coercion with the mandates. It's, you know, they're lying. This, and this is where they really are lying. You know, there's two angles to this is, you know, they're lying about how uh, safe and effective the vaccines are, number one, we haven't even touched on vaccine injuries yet, which is a whole other story. Mm. Uh, but they're also lying about, oh, well, you know, and I know Greg Hunt said this the other day, we've got to 95% vaccination rates, the arguments, you know, there is no debate. Well, actually, there is a debate because you're at 95% vaccination rates. Why isn't there herd immunity? So, you know, yeah. but that goes to show their mindset is all about the target, that the, the getting the jab into the arm, not actually stopping the transmission of COVID. Because if you want to have a debate about, you know, did these vaccines stop the transmission of COVID? Well, the answer is clearly no, it hasn't.
0: Yeah, that's right. And hmm. as I've as I've maintained from, from day one, and and not based on my knowledge, because I'm not a doctor. Uh, But based on conversations I've had, um, and the biggest one was the one I did in August with Dr. McCullough. I think it was probably the first time that he'd spoken on or on anyone's podcast or any Australian media. Right. Yeah. um, When I spoke to him back in August, and that was really what he said on that episode. People had just hadn't heard that before. So when he was saying that, you know, you can still get COVID and pass it on. This is back when we're talking about Delta. And he was right for some reason that people make out that you can only pass on catch and pass on um, Omicron. And that's not true. Mm. We'll seen that with Delta as well towards the end. Um, so he was making these points back in August and, and saying all of these things about the children, the adverse uh, reactions that children are going to be experiencing. And everything he said back in August has happened or is in the middle of happening. And, yeah. you know, but he'll get slammed as he does, get slammed for spreading misinformation. like, so, well, hold on a second. Listen, listen, if, if these people are right about nine out of ten things, then you probably should listen to them to a certain extent, at least hear them out. But people are just yeah. they've done a great job, not just the media, but also politicians have done a great job of, of painting these people with the same brush they'll paint, you know, flat earthers with and you know all these other you know, conspiracy theorists, when in reality these people just want to help and they're passing on information that's valuable. Like we know how effective early um, treatment is and and the government was saying no. But now if you know, like do, I'm sure you're aware of this, but do you know the, the they've ordered in monoclonal antibodies back in, I think, mid last year? Yeah. No one speaks about it. You don't even hear about it.
1: Oh, yep. Don't. Yep. Uh, being down the early treatment path, it's a, it's a no-brainer. you know and, and to me, it should be early treatment first, vaccine second from the point of view that given that you know it's a, it's an airborne disease, uh, well not a disease, you know, a virus, sorry. Um, m- most healthy people who get it, you know their immunoglobin A in the in the mucosal system will will kill the virus, right? So mm. wouldn't you be better off focusing on the one or two percent of people that get sick or you know you know sick from the virus? Rather than try and vaccinate 100 percent of the population, lock them down, destroy their livelihoods. I mean, the impact on that is so much greater than if you actually dealt with people who actually, whereby their immune system, their mucosal system, didn't do the job that you know most people can do, mm. um, and then deal with it that way. But in, instead, they're trying to to blanket, you know, put a blanket set of rules across the entire population, and 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 to the extent now where they're actually gating doctors and nurses. Uh, which is another element of government overreach which is just disgusting and intolerable is where you've now got the bureaucracy uh, many of whom have never worked in a front-end setting in a hospital dictating to doctors and nurses how they should be treating patients i mean that that is just and you know there's a couple of you know we're destroying livelihoods right to work we're overriding parental um you know rights in terms of you know Basically, there's that much pressure on getting children vaccinated. Um, that's that's been destroyed. The doctor-patient um, relationship, you know, there's been no respect given to that, and government overreach in all of these areas is just going on too too far and too long.
0: Yeah, and look, when you've got all of these things in combination, when you've got the gagging of doctors and nurses, when you've got doctors and nurses that have openly stated publicly that they're scared to speak out, when you've got police officers who are resigning and going on long service leave yep. because they don't want to implement these mandates of the people. Like, can you imagine a police officer who, who's got a moral compass having to find people for not wearing a mask or yep. for, you know, not having the mask pulled up correctly when drinking a coffee. I've seen police in videos, check the contents of people's coffee cups, right? Yeah. But- yeah, To make sure there's coffee in there and they're not just holding it for an example, uh, as a reason to not have the mask. Yeah. on. Like that's madness. Right. Yeah. And, when all of these things are happening, when there is clear and blatant censorship, I don't care whether you support, as I said, love the vaccine or you don't, but you censorship is a serious problem to democracies, a huge problem. Yeah. And and what you're seeing is anyone that dares to speak out against it, Dr. McCullough, Joe Rogan, mm. Dr. Malone. They, mind you, experts, besides Joe Rogan, he's a host, but the other, the doctors he's speaking to are experts, right?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And he does interview experts. He's not, you know, he's, uh, that, that's what's annoying is that they're upset because they're saying, you know, he's spreading misinformation. Well, mm. you know, the guy's talking to some of the most, you know, experienced credential uh, immunologists, heart specialists in the world.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I've spoken to um, a few people that, that Joe's speak, spoken to and you know what? There's people that I speak to that I don't agree with them where I think yeah, yeah. that's a bit weird. I, I don't necessarily believe that, but instead of me saying, you know what, to everyone, I'm not going to, you know, don't, don't listen to this person because they're spreading lies. You know what I do? I open up my own mind and I think, okay, I'll try and look at it from their point of view. I'll do the research that they've asked me to do. And I'll see if I can find a, you know, find anything to back up what they're saying, but that's not happening. What's happening is oh, he said that, you know, this isn't effective and this is better. Uh, censor him cancel him just de-platform him. they're not willing to debate like when's the last time you've seen an expert a health expert come out and openly debate doctors like malone and McCullough about it instead of just wanting them to be silenced
1: no you don't you don't you see don't. it that's the way you know the left work and all this stuff is that you know they want to cancel you know discussion uh, rather than have a genuine debate and yeah. and you know, all you gotta do, you know, and it's not just in health, it's in other areas as well. You just gotta ask them for the data. You know, not 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 research papers were full of the lama's terms, which is just basically double speak for propaganda. Show mm. us the data. Um, and you know, a lot of the time and even the science, I mean, I, I must admit there was a great um, interview last week with John Campbell and um, Robert Clancy. I don't know if you watched that at all, but you know, Robert Clancy is an immunologist who really knows his um, stuff and um uh, you know, just just the amount of information I get out of that that just hasn't gone mainstream in the last two years was just such an eye opener. Um, uh, and but you know, you can't really have those debates where you get shut down. You know, then just and they, you know they're calling anyone that questions these COVID vaccines, which is new technology, right? And you know, it's arguably not even a vaccine; it's gene therapy. Um, uh, you just label an anti vaccine which is very annoying. I mean, you know, I've been vaccinated for everything other than the COVID vaccines Um, my children have. um, It's never been, you know, my main speech never mentioned the word vaccine once. It's only in the last sort of six months of the mandates and the injuries, especially the injuries as well, which we haven't sort of touched on a lot. But, you know, that in itself as well, I mean, we've been talking about how ineffective the vaccines have been, but we've we've also should, should note that they have... You know, cause more injuries in australia five times more injuries reported injuries in australia than all other reported injuries from the other 128 vaccines since 1970 i mean that in itself is a massive red flag that is not being touched on at all by the media
0: yeah now you've been over that for months so i often get a lot of very good information from your telegram so thank you for that um yeah. because you know what there's a lot of what you do, and there's a few others that do it, George Christensen does it very well, is yeah. produce data and statistics and science, not just your opinion. So you don't write on Telegram and say, listen, um, this vaccine is causing you know reactions that we haven't seen for the last 40 years, all the other vaccines combined. You're not stating that. What you're doing is you're showing the data and then making that claim. So yeah. um, that's what people need to see. Um, so I'll let you speak about that a little bit because you're all over it, you know, much more than I would. So what are you seeing in terms of the TGA? So the TGA have a very similar system um to the it was it system over in the US.
1: Yes, yeah,
0: yeah. So how, how does that work? So it's it's obviously self-reported um from the person that can right, well no, so or? traditionally
1: so traditionally about 91% this is prior to the COVID vaccines about 91% of all adverse event reports were reported from medical professionals, including pharmacists, right? So, you know, the bulk, and I suspect, I, I don't know what the numbers are going to be like with the COVID vaccines. You can self-report, but technically speaking, you know, if you can get your doctor to report, that's better, mm-hmm. Um I mean, the TGA data is out there and everyone can see that. I mean, and I think most of your listeners would be well aware of, you know, the issues around it, you know, in particular the number of reported deaths. I think it's up to about 740 yet, Um, you know, the TGA are only saying 11 of those 740 are confirmed cases. Well, are you saying the other 98 percent of people who've reported are all wrong? Um, And one question I've got to get out of the TGA is how many staff do they actually have looking at adverse events? Because I suspect they haven't even got enough staff to look at these adverse events. I mean, given the sheer volume of adverse events, like over 100,000 now in pretty much the last eight months, um, I doubt that they've even had time to look at all of the details. But, um, you know, there's there's heaps of information on that. What, What I'm around that I don't think a lot of other people would be is the personal experience of so many people who've been injured by the vaccine, which is one thing, but then on top of that, it's been the shunning by the medical community, uh, which is is the real dev- – and, and, and the, the loss of financial income. I mean, and to be injured by the vaccine is bad enough because, you know, one day you're fit and healthy, you're told if you don't get this vaccine, you're going to get COVID when in, in, you know, and, and possibly have a serious side effect, which for most people who have got strong immune systems and fit and healthy – the side effects will be very, you know, that they may have a week in bed. Don't get me wrong; don't want to downplay the flu. And you know, occasionally you'll have a fit and healthy person die from the flu. That, but that has happened prior to COVID. That's not 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 unique to COVID. The COVID viruses, um, but it's the way they've been shunned. And I mean, I'm still look we you know, still working with people today who have been ill since the middle of last year who still can't get proper medical attention. And you know, doctors are turning around to them and saying, "Oh, it's all in your head." Um, they'll say to them oh we think it's vaccine related but we won't write it down Um, you know they can't get their discharge papers they won't get sent off to do proper referrals d-dimer tests um, you know uh, you know cardiograms and things like that which you know and and i know you know there's one particular case you know where we've now seen that there were you know uh, we've got a report and and the report said yeah blood test said there was clotting um, and that particular person wasn't properly diagnosed she was given a you know, breathing, you know, it was an asthmatic thing when, when it actually turned out that she actually had a clotting issue that they knew about and didn't do anything about. Um, so, the, the, and they're taking their toll, obviously, on the people. They're starting to take their toll on me. But how on earth media and the government can walk past this and, you know, they'll carry on about the COVID, you know, side effects from COVID, but then completely ignore the side effects from the COVID vaccines is just a disgrace. Um uh, and that's the thing, you know. It's it's governments. There's a limit to what we can do in terms of controlling the transmission of an airborne virus. Mm. But you know, when someone is ill, and we were the cause, yeah, you know, we've coerced them. And I'll say we, governments, bureaucrats, and and media, and 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 you know, corporations, employers have coerced people. We've we've got an obligation to help these people as much as possible. Um, mm. And now we'll never get their health back. Well, we might. Some people might get their health back, but you know, that's that's. Um, that's something we've got to do and, and you know, even today with over 100,000 adverse event reports out there and it's important to add too that the TGA tries to downplay that this by saying, oh, most of them are just headaches or whatever. No, a lot of people might report headaches as a side effect but that's not the reason why they lodged a, um adverse event report. It'll be heart attack and headache or stroke and headache or, mm. or you know, neurological problems and headaches. So, yeah, they may, you know, because, you know, you put down a number of symptoms, right? So, yeah, often headaches is can mean anything and is a symptom of a lot of different um, adverse events. Um, and they go, oh, but the majority of these adverse events are headaches. Well, no, that's not the primary adverse injury. Well, that's not the primary inju- injury. And um, they're getting away with that. Like, like the, the amount of misinformation coming out of the TGA is just, just shocking.
0: Yeah, it is. And, and I think we've got um, – how I first spoke to you, I think, was through um, the mother of a young woman – you know who I'm speaking about, um, who was, um, oh, look, it took a toll on me, hearing the story and what happened and a, a yep. healthy young woman um, really in the prime of her life um, yep. who looked after herself now to be, you know, plagued with these with these unnatural um, conditions that no one that age should have experienced. And, again, it was an employment, right, an employment mandate. Yep. You have to have it for, for yep. work. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then, not only that, um, because I still keep in touch with the family and um, I heard only a few weeks ago that she ended up getting COVID.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know quite a few got uh, vaccinated, injured and then still got COVID. Yeah.
0: That's the ultimate, that's like, that's a slap in the face, really, to go through that and the lack of of support available to those people. Yeah. Not, Not only the lack of support, but the way it's handled, where it's, I've got this problem. Yeah, I don't think you do. I think you've got this. No, it can't be that. No, no, that's what it is. Yeah. It, it, it's almost—it's bullying to a certain extent, where yeah. they make it so uncomfortable for these people to report um, adverse reactions. And there's some serious ones like clotting, uh, which is common. Myocarditis, obviously, is a very common one. But you're right in the fact that people won't just report a headache. Like it's not worth the time, right? To report a headache. Yeah. Um, But there's there's generally another condition that goes along with that headache. But to dismiss that, I'd love to to know how the TGA do that, like in terms of what their process is for breaking them down and actually determining whether it's related or not. Because to me, if a 20-year-old gets the vaccine and then within two or three days has myocarditis, I'm sorry, but that's because of the vaccine.
1: Oh, absolutely. And and these are the stories I'm hearing. Like I knew one uh, young man, 30-year-old, got vaccinated on a Friday, sick over the weekend, paralysed down his right-hand side by Tuesday. Well, you know, and and I've had a a conversation with Skerritt, the head of the TGA, about this, and he denies that it was a result of the vaccine. I said, how can you – I mean, he hasn't even diagnosed the guy. I said, how can you say for sure that it wasn't the vaccine? And whenever, you know, you do these testing, these medical trials, you've always got to assume any adverse event, when someone's been vaccinated is a result of the vaccine you've got to prove that it wasn't the vaccine not the other way around yeah. but i'll give you another example there was a lady that contacted me was ill after the first shot the Pfizer, um and got the you know uh you know the shakes and the you know had troubles walking uh told the doctor doc said oh don't worry about it, it's not vaccine related so you know she she trusted the doctor she got the second shot bang you know she she couldn't walk um then the doctor at least sat down with her and they lodged an adverse event claim with the TGA, um, not claim, sorry, just a you know report statement. And then she heard back from the TGA about five weeks later and they rang up and said, oh, we don't think it's uh, vaccine related. And she's a pro-vaxxer, this lady was pro-vaxxer, she even got a daughter, 16-year-old daughter, vaccinated. But that's when she just said she said she got suspicious because she said the TGA had never rung me once to to talk through the diagnosis, you know, di- my diagnosis with my doctor. They just looked at it and said, no, it's not TGA, uh, not related to the vaccine. And the way they justify it is, is that when Pfizer did their initial trials uh, and, you know, they were too fast, not long enough, and many of your listeners would well know that there's been um, data from the post-marketing surveillance data that has shown a lot more adverse events and a much broader range of adverse events. Well, in the initial trial, they said, oh, it was only this side effect, this side effect, and this side effect, Right. And then so basically they're all saying, well, if it's not one of these side effects because Pfizer said it, you know, these are the only reported side effects, then it's not related to the vaccine. But of course this is the stupidity of it is that effectively the trial, the Pfizer trial only went for about two or three months. Um, You know, it had 22,000 in each group, so about 22,000 people. But clearly we know now that there are a lot more side effects than what was initially reported. And let's not forget Pfizer is one of the biggest convicted corporate criminals in, you know, history um and yet somehow we're, we're we're asked to believe these people um so a lot of people like and that's the excuse the tga use oh well it's not a recognized side effect who, who decided what was a recognized side effect Pfizer, the manufacturer do you think they've got a vested interest in coming out saying these are all the potential side effects of course not so you know the whole point of the tga and the fda in the states and that is to actually you know go through and and test all this data with a fine tooth cone to make sure that it all stacks up and if you followed um, uh, Senator Ron Johnson, you know initial Senate hearing last year with Maddie DeGarry and Brienne Drinan, I think her name was, yep. uh, you know, they, they were examples of whereby you know they weren't picked up in the trials. I think Maddie DeGarry was reported as as you know stomach issues uh, when she's actually in a wheelchair being fed through her mouth, and they just you know down downplayed the injury as a stomach issue, uh, and then Brienne, I think her name is. She got seriously ill and um, AstraZeneca just dropped her out of the trial, never followed up, and she was never reported. Her side effects were never even reported. So, um, and, I mean, if I can, next time I've got a COVID committee hearing, um, That's the questions I'm going to be putting to the CGA because they should be, with with regards to the post-marketing surveillance data, that's a red flag. Uh, We've had these hearings whereby, you know, we know people have had their adverse events downplayed. That's a red flag. Um, So, yeah, and then the fact that, you know, the head of the t- uh, uh, Pfizer, company, um, can his name, he said last year, you know, it, you know, our vaccine's 100% effective in stopping transmission. Well, that's another red flag as well, because they've come out and made statements that just can't be backed up. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's bizarre to me that, I thought, I'm not a doctor, I'm not um, a qualified, I'm not a scientist, but as you said, the red flags are so blatantly obvious. Now, if you have a product that requires, what are they saying every three months, the intervals for the booster shots?
1: Oh, that's yes. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yep. That's right.
0: Yeah. Now I'm sorry. If you need, that's four shots every 12 months. Yeah. If you need four shots of something every 12 months for the foreseeable future, I'm sorry. That's not effective. I don't care how you look at it. It's not effective.
1: Yeah. And and let's not forget too, you need three weeks to start there before they even count you as vaccinated because mm. for the first three weeks, it takes three weeks to kick in.
0: That's right. You know, and,
1: And and let's not forget in that three weeks they're saying that they haven't got enough antibodies so the vaccine hasn't produced enough antibody to be effective against the antigen, right, or, or the toxic spike protein that they've put into you. So that means, you know, then. so the question then goes back to, well, so you're saying that I've got to let this spike protein run around in my body for three weeks before the antibody that's supposed to come and save it's going to be effective. What's going to happen to my body in that time?
0: Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the real issue is the spike protein. That's what causes the things like myocarditis uh, to my understanding from conversations I've had with the people who do know Um, you're essentially taking on one of the worst parts of the virus um, in the vaccine. And you're taking that on now for a young person. They don't need to take on that risk. It's not necessary. Um, Now we're seeing them vaccinate five, you know, was it five to 11 year olds? Why? And I've asked that question. And I, mate, I try and listen, I've tried my best to get uh, doctors from the other side of the fence on this show to have a chat with them. I've tried. Um, Dr. Sandro from Victorian uh, Victoria Health, CEO of Vic Health, I've tried. He's very vocal on social media, but doesn't seem yes. to want to speak. Um, and I'm not going to look, I'm not a doctor. He's a doctor. I'm just going to speak to him and get his opinion on things, see how it differs from what we're being told. I want to get both sides of the story. But the problem is, they don't want to, they don't want any part of that.
1: Right, mm, So no, no.
0: they don't. Yeah. Um, I've tried um, facilitating a debate between uh, Dr. McCullough and a few doctors, um, Australian yeah. and international. Um, I'll, I'll simply just give them the platform to do that and they can chat, uh, but they don't want to do that. McCullough's happy to, but the other doctors don't want to. Mm.
1: That's exactly right. Like,
0: yep. What are you scared of? Like, what are you worried about? And, you know, the government would know at this point, and to assume they don't, um, look, you'd be a moron if you think that the government don't know something suspicious. But they're the effort they're putting in to cover up the vaccine adverse events, the the fact that the vaccine is failing. Make no mistake yeah. about it; it's failing. It's not working. It's failing. And the longer the longer people go between shots, the worse it, the worse it gets. So the effort they're going to to cover this up is very suspicious because Mm -hmm. Pfizer itself is a private company. They're not a government run organization. They're a private business. So why are the government so hell bent on protecting them from, first of all, liability um, and just making sure that people get this thing in their bodies, even though they know that Pfizer creating a new one for this variant, they're still pushing the third shot. Like, what is it? What's going on? That's the question I think everyone has, but, Because it can't be, it can't be, um, they're not naive to it. There's no way. They'd be well aware that something's not right. And there, you know, there has to be a reason for them. Either they're gaining something, the government are gaining something from it, which could be control. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I can't work that out. That's the question.
1: Oh, look, I, I can't answer why, you know, they're covering. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, you know, they might want to admit they're wrong you know there's money people you know like the media make a lot of money out of advertising um you know the pharmaceutical companies are paying doctors to you know i mean and and doctors do get paid for every uh and pharmacists get paid for every injection they get so they love it so there's some doctors with a conscience who have stood down and done the right thing some doctors are gagged but then there's other doctors fully on board um uh, and a lot of these doctors aren't necessarily immunisation specialists or anything like that or, or, or uh, immunologists either, but, you know, th- they're still good. Um, but the other thing too, and I've, I've just picked this up in the last. Well, I sort of knew about it, but I never really, you know, I never really thought about it. But with the protein-based vaccine, the amount of antigen that's in that vaccine is is already quantified and specified. With the genetic vaccine, so Moderna, Pfizer, um, when they put that mRNA into your body coming back to this three-week period before, you know, supposedly you get enough antibodies to kill the spike protein, you don't know. It's an unregulated amount of antigen because you don't know how many spike proteins are going to be produced by your body and for how long and where all those spike proteins end up going. So that, that, is, that is an experiment in itself, right? Forget the fact that the trial data from Pfizer was very flimsy to begin with you know, which is sort of statistical, you know, sampling population thing, the actual science of like you're taking, the other thing is, so this Pfizer one had to be stored at negative 70 degrees. Yes. You're putting a, a vaccine that had to be stored at negative 70 degrees into a body that's 37 degrees. There is a change in temperature of over 100 degrees. Yeah. How do you know? Now, the world gets upset about climate change when the atmosphere is going to potentially change by one degree and the world's going to come to an end. Well, and how do you know that the... Uh, this, this nanoparticle, you know, very minute, you know, mRNA molecules that are clearly highly um, vulnerable to temperature change and unstable if they've got to be stored at negative 70 degrees. How do you know they're not going to deform or become damaged when they're put into a much warmer body, number one, or if they do manage to come in and get into the cell and then translate properly uh, into a protein, that that protein is going to be created exactly as the protein, as a spike protein, that was intended and not as some other malformed spike protein that is even more toxic. So there's all these variables that that I'm not convinced has been researched enough, and certainly there is no way, given all of those, you know, under uh, unquantifiable risks, that you should be rolling it out across 6 billion people, um, number one, uh, at least once, let alone mandated for multiple boosters, and certainly not into our children. So... You know, it's – and, you know, the other thing is, of course, this only ever goes into your blood immune system, not your mucosal immune system. Mm. So a lot of the – you know, most it produces immunoglobin G, um, Mm. but your mucosal system uses immunoglobin A. So a lot of it, you know, doesn't even come across and act as a preventative, hence the transmission, which I did touch on before. But So there's all these risks. And the other thing is, I don't know if anyone understands biology, but, you know, you're taught as a first-year science student and I had a crack at science there for a while. You know, the DNA stays in the cell nucleus and the mitochondria. Uh, the RNA stays in the, in the cytoplasm of the cell. The RNA does not float around outside the cell, right? And that's what they're doing. They're putting this mRNA, albeit it's covered in a lipid coating, outside the cell in the hope that it's going to travel inside the cell. But what happens if not all of that mRNA actually goes into a cell and it's just floating around your bloodstream oh, um, as sure. a new toxic? You know, and so all of that's unknown as well.
0: There's a lot of unknowns and they're, they're taking a yeah. the risk they're, they're prepared in their words to, well, first of all, they deny there's that many risks involved with it. But when you do get the occasional honest um, politicians stand up and say, listen, um, we think it's, you know, it's worth it because it's for the better good. That's the problem. The better good. They keep saying that. and uh, That's how mm. they justify mandates and all the rest of it. But yeah. Um, it is very experimental, even in the sense where it's not like a traditional vaccine. Um, it is a yeah. gene therapy, but that's exactly what it is. People say, oh, that, that's just misnosed. No, that's exactly what it is. It's a gene
1: therapy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you can't, I mean, if it had worked, you might be able to argue, yeah, it's gene therapy, but it also has vaccine properties, like it's prophylaxis. Yeah. But given that we know that it doesn't actually stop the transmission, it's not really prophylaxis either. No. You know, it's not a preventative. Um, so, so at best, it's it's a treatment, um, and it's a treatment that you give to everyone who doesn't need it. Like to me, you shouldn't be giving treatments to healthy people, especially um, as we just said, an undefinable risk. A treatment with a such an undefinable risk that could have, yeah. You know, well, at best, we'll have short time, short term protection. At best, you know, three months um, if you believe it works that long for unknown uh, long term consequences. It's just the whole risk profile's upside down as well.
0: Yeah. Well. The biggest thing for me is that it, it's provisionally approved. Now, it doesn't matter what side of the fence you sit on and how much you love it, how much you hate it. You can't deny that it's provisionally approved, as stated. We know that. Yeah. How can you mandate something that's provisionally approved? I liken it to P-platers on the roads, right? So when you go for your license, you just don't go for your L's and go straight to your, your open license, right? You go through <laughs> stages because you're a risk. You're not, yeah. you're not experienced enough to be on the road. They can they, they limit how fast you can go and all the rest of it. Very different, but still carries the same sort of principles that th- there's provisional – provisions are in place for a reason. And you can't mandate something, in my opinion, that is provisionally approved. It's insane that they're, they're able to do that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, you know, there's no argument for me whatsoever, and – um. Oh, I just don't know when all this is going to end. This is the you know the scary bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I mean, there's many, um, I guess, safety issues with the vaccine. We could talk about them all day because there's a ton of them. But yeah, the thing at the moment that's concerning me and everyone, um, and obviously yourself, is that you don't know when it's going to end and what's it going to take. Because it seems like if they wanted the country to get back to normal, it, it would already have happened. Would have happened a while
1: ago. Oh. Yeah, and and the perfect get-out card out of jail—I say out of jail card, whatever—was the original exit plan that they agreed to last year. I must admit, I wanted an exit plan from the get-go. And when the you know um, when they initially announced the exit plan, I don't think the vaccines were mandated. Had I known the exit plan was going to lead to the next step of mandating the vaccines, I wouldn't have been keen for the exit plan. But they've used the exit plan to justify the mandates. Um, They've got to their eighty percent, but now they haven't got rid of the exit. You know, effectively, that uh, you know, honoured the exit plan, promised that they, they'd lift all this stuff, uh, but they've kept the mandates, but they haven't kept their word on 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 the exit plan. So, um, yeah, I mean, so this is so this is where we're at now. Like someone asked me where they saw, saw things going, I said, look, I've got no idea. I mean, I I've, I'm I've, I've basically, um, you know, just my whole, you know. Focus now is on getting out of this this COVID crisis because I don't think the country can move forward. I mean, I'd like to get out of the COVID crisis and deal with other things like monetary policy and taxation policy and the stuff I ran for, but I just can't see us ever getting onto that while we're we're hung up on COVID, like we right. are.
0: And we're dealing. I mean, I started this show to talk to people about many different things, but it's unfortunate. Um, but it need look. It needs to be discussed anyway. And these these conversations that you and I are having are extremely important. Yeah. Um, in the grand scheme of things, but. Um, I'd love to be talking to you about, you know, what are you doing on the weekend and, and all sorts of different things. We could, we yes. can't because this yes. it's so, um, it just, it dominates the headlines. It's dominating everyone's, you know, school's gone back. That's the thing that parents talk about. Instead of, you know, being excited, your child's starting school or, you know, he's got up a yeah. the air or there's not People there. are anxious.
1: People yeah. are anxious. I, I mean, so, I've got kids as well and I, I'm anxious about the masks. I'm anxious about, you know, are they going to sneak a jab into my eldest son who's, you know, um Mm. uh you know what i mean like I, I don't want i shouldn't be thinking like that you know and these are right. schools they're not hospitals you know and i mean this is that they'll, they'll be the first you know the left will be the first to criticize us saying oh who we'd have a conversation we're not doctors mm. but yet the teachers and all that are allowed to dictate medical you know conditions to nothing against the teachers themselves i'm mm. sure many of them have been sucked into this like the rest of us but um you know it, it's if, if you want your child vaccinated, you go to the hospital, you line up and, and you do that. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it, but that's what um, some people want to do that. Um, mm. But what, what, why is, and, and this is the other thing that annoys me about this whole lockdown and the whole COVID crisis, is that, as you said before, you know, if you're worried about COVID, by all means, you go and get vaccinated and you go and, you know, you, you lock yourself down, you stay at home or whatever. But don't stop the rest of us from living our lives because, you know, it's other people's fear of being used as a weapon against us to basically restrict our civil liberties, and that's just not right.
0: That's right, and, and I can't believe that we're at a point where people are... I'm very surprised this has happened, period, because what I noticed was leading up to this, there was, like, people are very progressive and we wanted, you know, equal rights for pretty much everybody. Um, mm. and, and, in fact, it was actually even brought into the education system to, yeah. you know, to educate the kids and the fact that people are different, you know, different um, gender preferences and, and all that shit, we know, you know what I'm talking about. But yeah. yet when it comes to this, it's a complete opposite. It's like all of a sudden you have no right. If you want to be unvaccinated, then no, we're not, we're not accepting that. You should be, yeah.
1: you know, you oh, should be staying oh, at home. and Well, so, you know, this is another one of the weird things. Suddenly discrimination uh, is okay again for the vaccine Vaccination and and you know just where did that come from and the very people who have been so vocal about every other you know uh, equality and all that stuff and now suddenly go no 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 there's no equality here yeah um, exactly right yeah
0: which is yeah. bizarre so, it's very bizarre because it, it's I thought up until this point that we're leading we're heading in a certain direction um and it just goes to show you that we in fact we weren't. We aren't more progressive as a nation, in my opinion, because if you were, it would be consistent across the board.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, I think we've regressed. I think we've regressed a lot in 10 years. And and I'll tell you what, I'll blame social media and the whole um, polarisation of of views and that on social media, Um, especially on that Twitter side of things. I mean, it's just a cesspit in there. Um,
0: Yeah. Oh, Twitter's Uh, the worst for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the that's the the, the uh, social media of choice for many in the left. But they they're, they're just feral. You know, I rarely go on because the the amount of abuse you get um, is, is just staggering. Uh, from the so called you know people that you know want equality and everything, and you only want equality if you agree with them. But uh, mm. you know,
0: yeah, that's right. You you think Twitter's bad? You want to uh, jump on TikTok? I put out. Oh, that's the worst. Believe me, it's, it's yeah, right. 10 times as bad as Twitter. So I put a video out on TikTok and um, it was me complaining that um, I went to the beach and I got sunburned because other people weren't wearing their sunscreen and I called them um, anti-slip-slop-slappers. slappers i was just taking the yeah. piss, have a bit of fun with it, right? Yeah. Um,
1: yeah.
0: And, and you get away with it because the, the algorithm can't detect psych- uh, whether you're being sarcastic or not. So it thinks that I'm being serious. So it's great right. to get my videos removed, right? Um yeah. but the comments, oh my god, you think Twitter's bad? And I'm telling you, TikTok is the worst for it. It's terrible. Right. Yeah. Right. But well, I
1: mean, yeah. I, I must um yeah.
0: Oh, it, it is, but yeah. it is, I, I get a, a stir out of it, and um you know what, it's it's funny because I'm just carrying on the way they're carrying on. But yeah. when they when they have a go at me, I think, well, that's how it's ridiculous, isn't it? Well, that's what you're yeah. pretty much saying to me that because I don't get vaccinated, your grandmother's at risk. What? Right, and it's social media has played a part, and I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen that uh, Youth Association or Council of Victoria, whatever they're called?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: With the, the yeah. two girls going to see Spider-Man? Yeah. yeah. That, to me, is that's one of the more disturbing things that I've seen, knowing that they're funded by the Victorian government. Mm. Um, seeing that on there, that, that video, the Dead Set Grooming Children,
1: well, I what uh, piqued me, and I, I'm not happy with this. As you know, father of three, parental rights override government rights. We're not we're not yeah. co-parenting with the government here. And when that in that ad, it said, "Oh, you're 14, you can choose whether or not you want the vaccine." No, mm. no, no. 14 year olds don't know every, enough about the vaccine and are easily peer pressured at that age. Mm. Um, even if they did have concerns, the bullying they can potentially get from you know, not, not choosing to follow the crowd is, is terrible, you know, enormous. Mm. Um, and yet the government's encouraging, you know, and I just can't, I mean, that's not just in regards to vaccinations. That's happening a lot. Yeah. Uh, how the government's encouraging younger teenagers now at 16, you know, yeah, you're getting closer. I'd still argue even 16 is too young. I'd, I'd say 18. Um, well, i say 18, 16, 18, depending on circumstances, but, mm. um, you know, 14, no way.
0: No, absolutely not. And, but that just goes to show you that that's, that's where we're at. And that's very concerning because think about yeah. it. If you and I were to make a video on TikTok, me and you were going to the footy or whatever together and we see a 14-year-old yeah. there and we're talking to them and um, you know, saying, listen, you don't need to get vaccinated. It's your right to say, no, you don't need the vaccine. Can you mm. imagine what we would cop for that? Exactly yeah. the same thing, but just an opposite message. Instead of saying... You know, you're old enough well, to make well, your own decision. You
1: saw, you saw what happened to George Christensen. He came out and said to mm. parents, don't get your, your children vaccinated. And mm. he copped it. Yet every other politician for the last 12 months has been saying, get vaccinated, and mm. that's okay. So why is it when George had a different opinion than everyone else, he's not entitled to his opinion? You know, well, that's right. and, and, and you know, there's been other, you know, he had colleagues that came out criticizing, criticised and him, called them conspiracy theorists and said that they should listen to the experts. But which experts? Because as we know, there's other experts that don't think you should get the children vaccinated. Um, And, you know, I always don't like it when politicians say listen to the experts because our job, certainly in the Senate, um, and I think it's even in the lower house, should be uh, reviewing and critically analysing what the experts say, especially when those experts have been in the bureaucracy their whole life. Many of them have conflicts of interest that, you know, would suggest that, you know, it's in their interests to, you know, sell as much, you know, get, you know, you know, get the vaccine out because they may make money from it, mm. um, directly or indirectly. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what, what you just said is exactly true and we saw that happen just last week or the week before with George Christensen when he came out and said something that was along the lines of the narrative. Yeah. He's now suddenly a conspiracy theorist. But, but the thing about that is, too, when he said that for children, Atagi themselves said that the the trial, the Pfizer trial, was not powered to detect rare adverse events. That That's yeah. a per- perfectly legitimate argument. You know, the Doherty Institute last year came out and said it's not necessary to get 12 to 15-year-olds vaccinated because it's not going to make a big difference to transmission. Mm. Um, you know, they've said that this, a target in the same, you know, when they approved it said we don't even know if it works for the Omicron variant. Mm. Um, and they've added trimethamine to the uh, formula since they did the tests. Mm. So you're now yeah. dealing again with, so how do we know that, you know, this trimethamine combined with what the original vaccine was isn't going to be, you know, cause allergic reactions to people and children? Yeah. So, so how is it when George comes out and, and lists these risks? That's conspiracy theory. What you know isn't that his job to you know point out some of the you know some of the issues around this? Yeah, but what what do the media and some of our own colleagues do? They just call them a conspiracy theory. And, and actually, the prime minister did the same. It's just yeah. outrageous.
0: It is outrageous, yeah. and it's okay. Look, you that's the thing. If if you want to speak out against the vaccine, um, like George did, you have to be a doctor, otherwise. You know, you're not worth listening to but if you you could be anyone else and say whatever you want as long as it's positive um
1: yeah if it's in the net it's along the lines of the narrative and you've got all these celebrities yeah saying it
0: as well well you've got, and, you've you know, got celebrities good. that are paid like i know for a fact i know for a fact that celebrities and not even celebrities but even influencers on social media are getting paid yeah. to promote it i know that for a fact yeah um and and I've uh, I've spoken to Andrew, you know, Andrew Bogart. I'm sure you know Andrew Bogart. Yeah. um, Very good man. And um, we've had many conversations. And he showed me, he's told me that, listen, these people are getting paid. Like I've been offered money to promote it. Um, He's very, very open about that. And that just goes to show you, though, as to where where they're at. Like, when in human history have we had to have paid people who aren't doctors, mind you, Mm. paying them to pass on medical information?
1: Oh, that, that, that's because the market here is just so big. I mean, you've basically got the 6, 7 billion people in the world. I know not all of them are, you know, going to get the jab, but, you know, you've got billions of people. I mean, if this is just manna from heaven for these pharmaceutical companies.
0: Yeah, oh, and makes it a they
1: makes believe how, how, you know, and, and they're not just stopping at one. I mean, I was always a bit cynical at first that they needed a booster shot on top of the, you know, they needed, it was, it was a two-shot jab, not, you know, for, mm. it, for it to work. Because in the past, the flu vaccine, and, if, you know, I had questions over where that was effective um was only ever a one-shot. Now, this one's suddenly two. You know, mm. it's sort of like, yeah, I mean, is that because you can double the profits? I mean, the cynic in me was mm. thinking, well, is this just to, two, you know, double your profits because you need to, and now the boosters. I mean, it's just, you know, and you know even, you know, I, I don't know, you know, can't get a straight answer out of the, the health minister, Greg Hunt, why we've ordered 200 million of these shots. That yeah. in itself says to me you don't even think it's going to work. The fact that, you know, yeah, you ordered mm. 25 million, maybe 26 million for a... a you know, a million doses to have as a backup or something. But why would, would we order so many um, for a country, a population of 25 million people, of which, you know, 20 million people have taken it?
0: Yeah, and not only that, I don't know what's happened to AstraZeneca, but I was starting to see a, a change in that. So when people were getting AstraZeneca at first, I don't even know, can you still get AstraZeneca? I don't even know.
1: Uh, there's no well it's, it's ceased production I'll stand to be corrected on this but yeah no we're not we're not sort of rolling it out anymore in Australia whether or not there's still existing stocks left why there is might that? be I don't know I don't know what the go there was I I you know, that is a good question. I must actually ask the question why we stopped that. Because as it turned out, they made a big hoo ha about AZ being the more dangerous one and mm. all these initially. But it looks to me like the Pfizer one actually had more side effects than the AZ one.
0: Oh, much. I'd, I'd say that based on what I know anyway, um, it seems to be much worse Yeah. than AstraZeneca. we Which, which um, seems
1: odd, to, you know, because if that's the case, wouldn't you be sort of pulling Pfizer and, you know, maybe using AZ if that's, you know, you still wanted to push the agenda? even though yet again, you know, if it's a good vaccine, you shouldn't need to be um, using it more than once or twice, you know, maybe yearly at best, but even then mm. I sort of ask, um, you know, that's even that, you know, most, like all the vaccines you get when a kid, they generally last the best part of the lifetime or at least decades. Yeah. Um, and suddenly now we need monthly booster shots. It's just a joke.
0: It is a joke. And you know what, I'd say that, oh, look, this is my opinion from what I've read over, the, especially in the last few months, it seems to be getting more and more, that mRNA, the technology in itself, um, seems I just read an article the other day that said they're going to look at um, that potentially um, curing or at least treating different cancers um, and many different um, uses for this MRNA technology. And I don't know the production costs of it, but whether it's cheaper than it would be to make a, one like AstraZeneca, which carries actual or similar virus. Um, I don't know, but it's very strange that look, it was strange to begin with. You can, you can, you know, cross, you know, if you want to get a Pfizer, no worries, AstraZeneca, no worries, Moderna, no worries. Like, they don't <coughs> care what you put in you, so long as you're putting something in you, which is odd in itself, yeah. very bizarre. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, I actually had shares in an mRNA company. Uh, this is prior to getting into politics called Viralytics, and it had a product called Cabot Tech or something, I forgot to get a name. And it got taken over by um, Roach or Merck or one of those guys, but it was for a cancer drug, right? And this is the thing, too, you know, when they did the trials for uh, the Pfizer COVID vaccine, out of the 44,000 people, 160, well, there's 22,000 in each group, 160 unvaccinated got COVID. They all lived. Eight um, got COVID in the vaccinated group. They all lived. Mm. Right? But the weird thing is the 99% of the people didn't even have COVID. So how can you yeah. test it on people who don't even have COVID? At least with the cancer trial, if you're doing it for a cancer drug, the person's got cancer. That's mm. the weird thing about these trials. You're trialling it on healthy people who you can't even see if there's a, if it's been, you know, effective, right, mm. at least with the cancer trial. And, and I know this because i had biotech shares and other things as well over the years. Like, it's so hard to find uh, good candidates for these things you've got to find people with cancer who've mm. got to be willing to go for the trial, take the drug. Um, and then it takes years Right, mm. and this is the thing, and and the thing about cancer. If you got cancer, yeah, you, you you know that in most cases you probably it's probably terminal unless something happens, right? Mm. Um, whereas with COVID, ninety nine percent of people, picture decimal point, survived it. Yeah. So, you know, this was the weird thing as well. Like, like you know, we're talking about.